Tuesday, March 8th. This is the Boys of Spring podcast, episode number two. My name is Ryan Miller. I'm the MLB Scout Liaison for the Orleans Firebirds in the Cape Cod League and also a college and prospect writer for JustBaseball.com. With me is our second co-host in episode number one. You guys got to meet Pete, or not Pete, sorry, you're Pete, Ben Bellotti. Uh With me right now, we have Pete Flaherty, Associate Scout for the New York Yankees, Director of Baseball Ops for the Gatua Ketleers, and as I just said, our third co-host of the Boys of Spring podcast. Pete, how's it going? It's going well, man. I'm fired up to discuss a, another good week of college baseball. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So over at the website, um, if you guys follow the website, we just put out our top 25. We want to talk about that a little bit. We want to talk about some draft prospects uh, while we kind of cover that. And we also want to talk about how much weight we put into upsets. So, you know, if, if a team comes in and beats a top 15 team, how much we move them back. Um, if there's a, a big upset and a team's doing really good, maybe a smaller school, like let's say Tulane, for example, how much we kind of move them up the rankings because they are in my top 25 that I just put out on the website. So let's start talking about the top 25. Pete, who is your number one team in college baseball? I think we have the same answer. Yeah, number one team is still Texas. Um, I, I think you can kind of intertwine that into the, how much weight you put on losses. They had a really good weekend at the Shriners classic. They continue to, to play what I would call just professional baseball. They play really clean defense. Um, their pitchers are super mature in how they attack hitters with also loud stuff. If you look at a guy like Aaron Nixon came out of the back end against LSU and slammed the door. Uh, we didn't see him this weekend, but Tanner Witt is a 2023 guy to watch. Um, he's really good with a banger curveball, really good fastball with swing and miss that he can elevate in the zone at probably 95, 96. Um, and then more on the pitchability side, Pete Hansen. Um, and their offense is really good. You don't really get breaks in their lineup. Arduan, Melendez, Hodo um are their guys and yeah i they had a great weekend against quality competition ended on a little bit of a sour note to a loss against a really good ucla team but can't go 56 and 0 um another great weekend for the horns and and they hold the top spot yeah so we'll get back to tanner witt here in a second when we're talking about the 2023 guys um do you feel like arduan's one of the more um advanced defensive catchers in college baseball I do. And I think there's an argument to be made that he is the best defensive catcher in college baseball. Um, if you look at the arm strength, um, he made a couple throws over the weekend um, that were incredibly impressive. He made another throw and it, and it stuck out in, and it stuck out in my mind um, as it was incredible. It was against Alabama. It ended up being, I think, ball four call and a check swing, but he went down to his backhand side, picked it, and then threw from a I think a low three quarters arm slot from behind a hitter and would have gotten the runner out um, if the hitter had swung. Um, but I mean, he's just, he's really good back there. He moves well. The arm is his calling card. He's got an absolute cannon. Um, and yeah, he steals a lot of strikes. If you looked at, yeah, there was sure. one pitch in particular and it was against LSU. Texas was in a jam. Um, they had a freshman Harrison on the mound, a lefty. Left on left, throws a fastball on the outer third of a of the plate to a lefty, um, to the right side of the plate, looking towards the, looking from the mound to the plate. 
Um, and it was probably two to three balls off the eh, two balls off the plate. And he, the way he sets up is, is he steals kind of what I like Jerry Weinstein's a guru on Twitter. Yep. Incredible baseball resume. Um, he calls these types of pitches straballs. You can, you either, you get a good receiving catcher back there. He can make that ball a strike on the contrary, not a great receiver. They kind of look more like balls. Huge spot in the game. Arduan gets one of these straw balls and he and he just sticks it and he presents it really well to the umpire. Called strike three, gets them out of the jam. I think that that's what makes him so advanced behind there. Um, he's he's just so well rounded and the bat is is exactly really what you need as a catcher. He's got decent juice, um, moves the baseball well, doesn't strike out at a high clip, um, and he's kind of carrying the offense so far. Even Melendez has yeah. really gotten going. Yeah, he, he's so, been he's been very good for them. I think he's hitting like three ten right around there. Yeah, and and that's that's really solid, especially for a catcher. So I I might go as far to say he's the best defensive catcher in college baseball. Him and um yeah. him and actually your your guy for the summer, Connor Burns from Long Beach. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, just watching him a little bit, it, it just looks so advanced back there. And for for him being a catcher and having this good of a pitching staff. I mean, it, it must be very, very nice for him. I mean, this three-headed monster is pretty, pretty good for Texas. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point you bring up, the the caliber of the pitching staff. He's catching three pro arms um, right. in their rotation, and he's catching even more in their bullpen. Um, so it, it he's he's just done an outstanding job, and I, I could see him going really, really high this year in the draft, and, and I think he's whatever organization gets him is getting an absolute – plain and simple just a stud yeah yeah for sure and back to some of those pro pitchers that you were talking about let's kind of touch on their uh their rotation a little bit as we were just talking about before we started recording um pete hansen's a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of projectability left you're gonna get um high 80s to low 90s from his his left-handed frame and we, we were kind of just asking ourselves why he isn't getting a lot of consideration for very high up in the draft but as you said, you know, there's not too much projectability left, but he's a guy who can be very effective for a team and possibly a back-end starter at the major league level. Yeah, I think he possesses a lot of starter traits, starting with his advanced pitchability. He can locate three pitches for strikes and really just pick spots, change up slider, fastball. Fastball, he really is able to spot up well and kind of has to if he wants to have success, given the lack of velocity. Um, so being that low, excuse me, high eighties, low nineties kind of guy, he's really able to just snipe spots on the plate, generate a lot of soft contact, doesn't leave the ball up where he knows he can't really work. Um, and then again, he's got that wipeout slider against lefties, a good changeup. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, he's got two probably plus pitches with his off speed and then his fastball, the command is absolutely plus. And, and he's a really good Friday guy for him. Um, he's going to be able to carry them. I, I think for, you know, he's kind of put the rotation on his back, so he's going to continue to do the same going forward. Yeah. And Tanner Witt's a guy who pitched out of the bullpen last year, um, had very good numbers. I believe it was um, 73 strikeouts in 57 innings, I believe. Um, so he, you know, he's a guy come comes into Texas now for another year gets the starting nod and he's definitely done a lot of good things with it. Yeah. Tanner Witt's a guy in 2023. He's going to be in the discussion. 
um, at the very least working his way into the discussion of one of the first college pitchers to get taken off the board. Um, super impressive body. He's had a pro body since coming out of high school who, where he was also getting first you know, couple round talks. This was during the Corona draft um, where it was five rounds, uh, six, five to 15, every bit of it. Um, he's got an absolute banger of a curveball. That's a plus pitch. It's really deep. It's got really sharp downward movement that he can also land for strikes. And he's been able to land it for strikes um, since he was a true freshman, which is super impressive. And then the velocity, it is there. He's more mid to upper nineties, potentially even more in the tank. Um, and the key for him is just going to be to continue to hone that third pitch, um, show that he can start in the rotation, show he can be durable for a full season. Um, and if he can do that with, you know, coming back from a missed start or two, dating back to this weekend with Texas, um, reports are good out of there that the scratch was purely precautionary. He's okay. Um, and if he can put together a really strong season in the rotation, stay durable and whatever he does in the summer, whether it's USA or pitching on the Cape, um, continue to do that. And the, he's, he's going to put himself in a really good spot for next year. Yeah, and the next team that I wanted to touch on was actually our number two team in the rankings, and that's the Old Miss Rebels. And they have a 2023 draft guy. He's their shortstop, Jacob Gonzalez. What do you like in him? Well, first with Jacob is he's a super well-rounded player. He's going to be able to stick at shortstop. The, the bloodlines are obviously there, being the son of Diamondbacks legend Luis Gonzalez. Um, great body again, 6'2", 200 or so. Um really athletic on that middle infield. I think Ole Miss has become kind of known for that super athletic, flashy middle infield. You kind of go back a little bit um, with Anthony Servideo. Um, now you got Chaudinier, who's been there for a few years, and Gonzalez up the middle, who's also got experience. Um, he's He's off to a slower start, I think, this year. Um, I think he's hitting a tick under 260 or so. But again, he's got a really good hit tool. Um, he, he doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a really good sense of the strike zone, puts the ball in play. And then he's got underrated power um, from the left side. He's got a really good left-handed swing. And again, he's, I think he's going to really get going during SEC play, put together a really good year as he did last year. And as far as the 2023 draft goes, there's a, there's a chance he's sitting in that one one conversation maybe i think it's tough with dylan cruz but he's definitely in that top five conversation yeah yeah for sure i mean just when i watch him play he looks like a first round pick to me and if he can hit enough i think his ops is actually higher than the average lets on i think he's been walking a decent amount and i think he's hitting for some power when he does hit the ball and just his defensive actions at shortstop as well they they all look like a first round pick to me Another teammate yeah, of his. Up, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I agree with everything you said. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another teammate of his is T.J. McCants. He he's hitting a lot right now, and you you know for for a guy who who covers the draft pretty closely as you do, do you think McCants is a guy who can get maybe top three round looks? Yeah, absolutely. McCants is another guy he's going to be able to stick in center field I think covers a lot of ground out there he's a great mover he's off to a really good start this year for Ole Miss um and yeah he he hits for a lot of power um good runner 
sticks in center field pro body six three one ninety. So you've got a little bit there to kind of mold and, and work with as far as adding weight goes and adding power goes, maybe shifts to a corner spot. And he's a guy who's sophomore eligible this year. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how far he can play himself up some draft boards. I think he's, he's definitely going to be in consideration in the top five to six rounds already. And then with a strong sec play where he can continue this, the strong start. I think it's going to get really interesting. We get earlier on in the draft and especially if he comes back next year, uh, we're looking at another guy who's probably going to get top two round consideration. Gonzalez will definitely go in probably a top 10 overall picks. Um, but McCants could join him in that day one, day one conversation. Yeah, for sure. As a freshman, he played in 60 games. He hit 300, um, got on base at a 369 clip. He did slug 433, so maybe get that slugging a little bit uh, higher. But as you said, he could stick in center field. And he's a very athletic guy, you know, left-handed swing. So he's definitely a guy for me who can move up draft boards. Um, and our, our next our next team, Arkansas, has another guy who can move up some draft boards, and that's Caden Wallace. He's eligible this year, but you were kind of hinting on he might want to come back to Arkansas for another one. Yeah, um, I, I think that's purely speculation on my part. I That's more in um, as a draft-eligible sophomore on age alone. I think they have, they're have they in a unique camp where they have some more leverage than a junior does, a redshirt junior, redshirt sophomore, um, where they're kind of sticking just on that normal path in college. So if he doesn't really get the amount that he wants, um, he's – he's probably more than okay with going back. I don't have any Intel and I don't want to speak for him, but I would assume that he's more than okay with going back, but he's another guy who's really, really good. Put together a, a, a really strong season last year as a true freshman at Arkansas, which one, it's really tough to even crack that lineup given the quality of the team that they have every year. Um, and then also to succeed in the sec, it's even harder. And he was able to do both hit 280, had really good power numbers. Um, went to the Cape and kept it going, which again, you and I both know how hard the Cape is, especially as a true freshman. Yep. Um, he's got a six arm in right field. At least he's got a really good bat. Hasn't really gotten into much juice this year, but it's so early. We're seven games into the year, seven or for some of these teams. Um, so I have no doubt that Caden Wallace is going to continue to hit for power and just hit in general. Um, and I know he's a guy that teams really like and, and view pretty highly and similar to McCants, um, uh, I would not be shocked to see him go in the first three to four rounds this year, even. Yeah, for sure. And another guy who I think could be a first round pick in 2023 is Trey Morgan with LSU and just LSU as a whole, their offense is unstoppable. I think they, they're probably a top two offense in college baseball and Morgan just kind of solidifies that. As a freshman last season, he hit 357, six homers. He only K'd 41 times in 249 at-bats. And, you know, he's been playing a lot of first base, but I, I've heard you say in the past that he could be an outfielder long-term. Yeah, Trey Morgan is a guy that just he, – he oozes athleticism and potential. You watch him over at first base, and – the way he defends and the way how how secure infielders are throwing to him and that he he can go down and really pick it. He's got a great sense and feel for the bag over there at first base. 
um, super athletic and quick. Um, and I just think based on how he moves and he's really unique for a first baseman where he's kind of that, he's just, he's not super like physical or built as you typically see in a first baseman. Um, he's more like that, that just pure athlete build. Um, he's six, two, like one ninety. he moves in, like I said, incredibly well. He runs really well. Um, and, and I think he's athletic enough, absolutely to hold down an outfield spot. I don't know much about the arm. Um, I, we haven't seen him there yet, but it, like you said, he can really, really swing it. He's got good bat speed, a great left-handed stroke does not strike out. Um, and again, as a true freshman at LSU, his numbers were just, they were gaudy. Um, and he's off to a similar start. Um, he'll play team USA this summer. If he doesn't, I, He's got, he, he's on a Cape team, but he's going to go to team USA, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Trey Morgan is, he's one of probably three to four guys in that LSU offense who are going to be first round picks either this year or next year. And yeah, he's, he's, he's the complete package. Now, a couple guys who are getting some early round consideration are Cade Doty, uh, Jacob Berry, and of course, Dylan Cruz, who could be the 1-1 one, one pick in 2023. All those guys are just mashing right now for an LSU team who's gotten extreme contribution from their Friday night starter, Blake Money, as well as their closer, Eric Reiselman. Now, with the pitching, with Money and, Reis and Reiselman, what do you kind of see in these guys? Do, do you think they're, they're guys who could kind of shoot up draft boards in the future? I believe Reiselman, is, is he draft eligible this year? I'm almost positive he is, yeah. Okay, yeah, and, and he he's he's mid to high nineties, and he, he's he's been pretty good right now. Um, it at San Francisco, he he did pretty pretty well and and earned a a good transfer over to LSU. So with him and money, what do you kind of see in this pitching staff and how they can move forward with such a good offense? Yeah, I think money's the guy who's clearly anchored that Friday night spot and has been the he's their clear Friday guy and their horse that they're going to ride. Um, he's got, he's got a huge body. He's an imposing figure on the mound. I think he's six, seven, two forty or so. Um, so, I mean, he gets down the mound really fast. The ball gets up on you. Um, he's got really good command. I think he's walked three or four hitters in his first few starts. Doesn't, doesn't walk anyone. Um, he's got swinging miss stuff with a really good fastball and a really good breaking ball. Um, and then another guy is uh, Ty Floyd is another part of their weekend rotation. He's, he's really good. Um, and then Javen Coleman should figure to start to pitch more. He's made it, I think only a few appearances this year, but he's a guy I know LSU is really excited about and in the industry is viewed pretty highly. And then going back to Reiselman, um, I think the key for him is going to be command. If you look at the stats, you see seven Ks to one walk and you're like, command. I mean, he's he's only walked one hitter in six innings, but on I think the last game of the Shriners Classic against Baylor, he sprayed a little bit um, and he was flying open. He, he labored in his inning in a third or so of work, danced in and out of trouble. Um, so the key for them, as you said, is going to be fine is consistent pitching. They've got their guy in money. I think they have their back end guy in Reiselman give, and I think that it's just going to be an effective wild. He really wasn't wild at all in the Cape from what I remember. He was, he was Harwich's best pitcher in the 
best pitcher, I think. Um, and then if they can just get consistent Sunday and Saturday and Sunday starts, they're a team that I, I know I really like to make a deep run to Omaha. I know you like them a lot. Um, didn't have a fan, didn't have a great weekend. The, the loss to Baylor was really discouraging. Yeah. Um, the, I, I think, but they're going to be fine They're They'll have a good get right game tomorrow against McNeese state. And then I know they play, I think Bethune Cookman this weekend. So yep. they're going to get back on track with a four and a week. If it's not a four and a week, then that's, then it, that's obviously not good given the caliber of teams they're facing, but they'll get back on track. And then they've got a, they've got a really big week the following week with Tulane and Texas A&M and back to Louisiana tech. So I think they're a team that's going to make a deep Omaha run. Um, and then it's all going to come down to that pitching and how consistent they can be. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point with Baylor. And I think we could just jump into our, our one point that we wanted to talk about with upsets and how much that weighs teams going up and down the top 25. Um, for me, it's, it's baseball, you know, football, you have, I believe 12 games in a season. If you lose a big one, you're going to, you're going to fall pretty substantially. But in baseball, there's a lot more games. Any given team can beat any other team on any day. It, that's my philosophy. I definitely think that that's what what will happen in D1 baseball because we've already seen in these past couple of weeks, even dating back to the opening week, there's upset after upset after upset. So how much weight do you put into a team maybe getting beat by a, a smaller program or an unranked program? Yeah, I think you said it best that anyone can beat anybody. Um, I know they've been struggling this year, but um, Mississippi State, like if they lay an egg in a midweek game, hypothetically, um, you know, you can look at that Southern Miss game as that. Um, I'm not going to hold on to that. Should they have a three and a weekend, um, which they didn't, but um, should they've had a three and a weekend, I'm not going to hold on to that and hold it against them. So a good example of that is Texas. They lost a game this weekend. They lost five to one to UCLA. Um, but before that they beat Tennessee and they beat LSU. They won the weekend. If a team wins the weekend, um, I think they're either going to stand pat in the rankings or even move up. You saw it with Ole Miss too. They dropped one to UCF, but they won the weekend. Um, where it does come into play and where you do drop them is if they have a, is it, excuse me, if they have a, a tough week as a whole and lose a series on a weekend to a lesser team. And I think that starts with NC state. Um, they had a, tough one a, a midweek loss at Campbell and Campbell's a really good club but obviously midweek pitching you know is not um, what you're going to see on weekends so they didn't see Cade Kuehler or Thomas Harrington they're they're two guys um, but they still that Campbell offense which is led by Zach Neto um, and so that was kind of a, a weird anomaly loss and people are like huh that's weird but they expected them to bounce back against northeastern win that series and they'd probably still be in that eight to by some outlets 10 or 11 to 12 range um but they get swept by northeastern who i think is they're a good team but that's not a team that the eighth ranked team in the country should be getting swept in even kind of dominated by the northeastern was in control the whole weekend so we kind of yeah. saw the weakness of nc state's pitching um, how thin their staff is and their offense might not be as vaunted as we once thought. Obviously Tommy white is still their guy. Um, yep. That's not changed anything. Everyone has bad weeks. Um, but I think there are some holes that got exposed by Northeastern. So we dropped them. I know 
a decent amount. And then obviously with Mississippi state, um, they've really been spiraling um, and the injury, whatever that is to Landon Sims definitely didn't help not their spot in the ranking really, but um, cause that we don't factor that in much. Um, but just the overall outlook on their season, I don't think it's going to be a great prognosis for them. Um, they lose to Tulane in another series to Tulane, which was a previously unranked opponent. So we've, they haven't, they haven't really been able to piece it together this season. So we, again, they lost the weekend and they lost the week in general. So we dropped them again. We had them slide pretty far. Um, but, but yeah, no, if a team loses one game, like a, let's say Texas or any team in the top 10 or, or really even that's ranked. Um, if they have a three and one, four and one week or, or two and one week where they win a weekend series, like Ryan said, and he put it best, that's baseball. Anyone's yep. going to be, no one's going to go 56 and oh, so we don't really wait one individual loss that heavily. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, some fans coming from other sports like college basketball or college football, as did I, cause I, previously I didn't really watch a lot of college baseball. I kind of paid attention to the draft and that's how I got my fix per se. But in those other collegiate sports, when you lose to an unranked opponent, it's, it's a pretty big deal. And in baseball, I just feel because of the amount of games, it, it doesn't really weigh in that much to me personally. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about Oregon state. Now um, they're a team for me who could be a dark horse candidate at the national championship. They got Jacob Melton, who's really hitting right now. He's actually slugging 810, which is unreal. You know, they got Wade Meckler as well, hitting pretty well for them. So what do you see in Oregon State? And do you think it's a team that can make it to Omaha? One, I think they're definitely going to make it to Omaha. And they're one of probably four or five teams that I think can really genuinely win the national championship. Um, they're starting to kind of look like a classic Pat Casey team um, from the mid 2010s, the like Larnick, Rutschman, Grenier, um, Madrigal, those types of teams. Um, they are just super well-rounded. I think what's, what surprised a lot of people has been their ability to swing it. Um, everyone knew that they were going to have a good rotation with Cooper Jerpy and Jake Fennigs. Um but the way they've been swinging it, like you said, you start off with Jacob Mellon and his numbers have been just, they've been off the charts so far. Um, his OPS is like 1250, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, they're getting contributions from other guys. One of my favorite freshmen in the country could be my favorite freshman in the country, Travis Bazana. He's an, he's, he plays the game like with his hair on fire. He's, he's incredibly fast. He's a great defender. You can tell when he goes out and takes the field that he just loves playing baseball and loves the game, which is, I think it goes a long way, um, both for that player individually and how it rubs off on the team. Um, he's helped them mightily and he's going to be, I think he's in line to be that next great Oregon state position player being talked about like Larnick, Rutschman and Madrigal. He's that good. Um, and then, like you said, Wade Meckler's a guy who's hitting really well. Justin Boyd, um, he had a solid year for them last year, hit 300. Um, he's off to a really good start with five extra base hits. Uh, they're they're really good. They're really, really well-rounded. Um, and again, going back to your previous point, 
they lost one game this weekend, um, but it was an extra innings to UC Irvine on a Sunday. So we don't, that, that does nothing to hurt their standing. They won a series against UC Irvine, which is a really good team. Um, and I think they're going to keep rolling. Pac-12 play is always a really good barometer um, because the Pac-12 is, I think, pitching heavy. And um, But yeah, no, Oregon State is a scary team, and, and I, I, I think they're going to make it to Omaha. Yeah, for sure. Another dark horse candidate for me is Tennessee. They have the pitching, and they've been playing pretty well. They're 10-1. and one. They beat Baylor and Oklahoma this weekend. They did lose to Texas. But as we mentioned before, they are the number one team in the country. Now they go and they play James Madison in Rhode Island. So there's definitely some opportunities for some more wins. You know, some pitchers that I really like, Chase Burns, Ben Joyce. So with the volunteers, what do you see in that team? And do you think they can make it to Omaha? Again, I think, I think they're going to make it to Omaha. Um, they're another team that so far has come out super well-rounded and also one side of the baseball is being anchored by a freshman now. Um, and for Tennessee, that's Chase Burns on the pitching staff um, with the injury to blade Tidwell with his shoulder. I, I think they're hoping that he's going to be back uh, at some point this year, obviously as fans and fans of baseball and college baseball and hosts of a podcast. We also hope blade Tidwell's back, um, yep. but Chase Burns. Wow. He has stepped into a really, really big spot as a freshman as a Friday night starter in the SEC, the lights can get extremely bright, um, but he has just absolutely shown out. I think with his loudest performance this past Friday in that loaded Shriners field against LSU, um, he was 95 to 98, um, landed his breaking ball for strikes. It's another really sharp 12-6 breaking ball. Um, it's super deep. Um, and then you also look at their Saturday spot, which is Chase Dollander right now. He's someone who in 2023, I think, can also be a first couple of round pick. Um, he's averaging almost two strikeouts an inning. Fastball is really, really good. Probably his best pitch right now. And then once they get Blade Tidwell back, that weekend rotation is going to be as good as anyone in the country, I think. And then internet sensation Ben Joyce in the back end. Will Mabry is good. Drew Beams, a freshman who's thrown quality innings for him. They're a pitching staff that is not talked about enough as being in the upper echelon of in the, in the country. I think when you look at them fully healthy with blade Tidwell um, and then on offense, it starts with drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck. Jordan Beck had a really good weekend was smoking baseballs all over the place. Um, peppering that right center gap, left center gap pro body. Uh, we can talk about the draft sock all he want, but what he's doing for Tennessee is, is, is really impressive so far. And Drew Gilbert is a guy everyone knew he was going to perform um, in the outfield. And he's got that really sweet left-handed stroke plus arm. And then Trey Lipscomb's a guy who's really stepped up. Uh, he's, he's hit, I think six home runs already five or six. Um, and he's been an anchor on the left side of the infield and they've always been able to swing it. They play in a park where the ball goes Um but again, a really impressive weekend at the Shriners Classic, a well-rounded team with that blue chip freshman. And I, I, I think that they're going to make it to Omaha as well. And, and I would not be shocked at all if they win the national championship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Speaking of national championship, let's switch gears to Mississippi State, the defending national champions from last year. It's been pretty disappointing so far. Yeah, um, I I think that's that's the uh, that's a generous way to put it. I think both result based and then also health wise, obviously with Landon Sims and his um, his situation, what he's got going on, they just they just have not been able to find it. Um, the first weekend of the season against Long Beach, the story was the um, the hitting. They weren't really getting the bats going. Um, then they kind of, they win one against Grambling state on a midweek, but again, the bats weren't really good. Um, and then they dropped that one to Southern miss that we kind of, it was a really loud performance more so for Southern miss than it was Mississippi state losing. I think that was more of a Southern misses for real performance. Um, and then this weekend, I think one takeaway for Ole Miss, or I mean, excuse me, Mississippi State, is their bats finally started to get going. Logan Tanner um, had a really strong weekend for him. Hunter Hines, their freshman, who's going to be really, really good for three years. He's got legit juice. He had another good weekend. Brad Cumbest, um, even Callum Clark, uh, who they've been dying to get going. Um, he had a decent freshman year. Um, I know they've been waiting on him to get going. He had two home runs um, and they, they were able to hit around Dylan Carmouche, who's a really good pitcher for Tulane. Um, and then just kind of unlike what we saw for the first week, their pitching just collapsed, especially in the back half of games um, looking at Saturday in particular. And then they dropped that series on Sunday. So I, Given the kind of what's their up and down nature um, and inconsistencies um, and then what's looking like they're going to be without Landon Sims for an extended period of time is it's going to be tough for them to, to, to really turn it around. Um, I, I think they're going to make a regional. Um, I think that's a really drastic step to take by anyone calling them not a regional team. They're still a good team. Um, and I think as a fan, a bright spot from this weekend would be that their bats got going, um, finally against a a good pitching staff and a really good team in Tulane. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to need guys to step up in the rotation. It's looking like, so that's going to fall on guys like Cade Smith, um, Jack Fristo, Casey Hunt, um, Casey Hunt also hasn't pitched in a while, so I don't know what's going on with him. Um, But yeah, they're going to need, they're going to need to really fill that Friday hole with, with Sims. And I'm curious to see how they play that this weekend and going forward. Um, But yeah, no, they're going to need to keep swinging it and, and help their pitching staff out. Yeah, for sure. And right now they're up nine to one over Texas tech. They play them tonight and tomorrow. So, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're turning a corner here. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Disappointing this, to see so far, but. Yeah, when we started recording, I think it was like one nothing Texas Tech or one nothing. Yeah, it was one nothing Texas Tech in like the fourth. So they, that's pretty good. They yeah. Probably had a big couple innings. Yeah, for sure. Now, towards the back end of this top 25, it really could have went either way with me. I had a few teams that I that I pointed out as honorable mentions. I didn't put that in the article, but I was kind of just, you know, brainstorming some things, some teams that could make it. And I I wanted to get your opinion. 
what teams do you think could move into the top 25 maybe by next week, maybe a couple weeks down the line? Just maybe some underrated teams that you think could do pretty well versus good opponents. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the the three teams you mentioned are, are really strong candidates to move into the top 25. Gonzaga especially, I know, is ranked by some outlets already. In that weekend rotation, we saw it against Oklahoma State, which in their own right is an incredibly strong club with a really good offense of their own. But when you look at their weekend rotation of Will Kempner, Gabe Hughes, and Tristan Vreeling, I would put it up against, against anyone in the country. Um, they're that good. Um, Will Kempner has got an extremely unique arm slot. Um, and his fastball, it almost looks like a rise ball coming into the strike zone. Um, he's able to ramp up into the mid-90s. Gabe Hughes pitches with as much emotion as anyone in the country with stuff to boot. And then Tristan Vreeling dominated Oklahoma State yesterday in, in what was a really underrated weekday game. And I, I think they're a team that offensively, um, they don't really have any legit prospects um but they're just a, they'll be able to just kind of hopefully scrape together some hits top to bottom um because with the rotation that they have they're going to be a really tough out assuming they make a regional um and they, i mean they they're they're going to be viewed as a dark horse team i think to go really far um and then another team you mentioned Miami um they had a tough weekend obviously against a, a, an interstate rival in Florida um but they're Again, they're, we had them ranked or we were close to having them ranked and we dropped them out. Um, and I know some, again, some polls still have them ranked. They're a great team offensively. It starts with Yandi Morales, who we're big fans of. Um, he's got a great body over there on the left side of the infield. He got into a Hunter Barco back foot slider that I, I don't think it's landed yet. Um, <laughs> and uh and a, another guy who stepped up for him has been a pleasant surprise is CJ Kafis over at yeah. first base. Yep. He's hitting 370. Um, really good bat to ball skills. Um, line drive guy doesn't strike out much. Um, and then up the middle, Don Patelli is a wizard at shortstop. He can really pick it. And then their pitching staff, Palmquist, it starts with him. Um draw has drawn comparisons to Chris sale, which I think are warranted. I know in the spring, um, once he kind of gets going a little bit, I know, I, I hope that he's able to kind of take a jump in velocity, um, because I think he's going to be able to pitch himself in the first round. Um, given the, I guess, weakness of the college pitching class this year. Yep. Um, so they are a team that's right on the cusp. I know they've got a weekday, a midweek against FIU, tonight that's going on um i think fiu was winning when we started recording we'll see what happens um and then they play boston college this weekend which should probably be at least two of three um so it, with a strong week if they go four and oh they're a team that's probably going to be right there in the the 20s or so 23 24 25 range um and then another one you said tcu um, they're another team that year in and year out, they're really good. Um, they're just, they're a really strong club historically. Um, and their offense, it, it, it starts with Braden Taylor over at third base, lefty bat. Um, he's got a really good stroke, um, had a great true freshman year. 
at TCU hitting 10 home runs and he's off to a blazing start this year. Um, and then Elijah Nunez out in the outfield. He's a really, really short defender, covers a lot of ground in center field. And he's just got a super quiet and simple setup at the plate. Um, who's just a line drive hitter, puts the ball in play. I think he's off to an, a really good start too, hitting 460, 470 or so. Um, and then it, uh, one of the pitchers that I really like for him um, is River Ridings in the back yep. end of the bullpen. He's a lot similar to Palmquist in that he's a funky lefty with a low slot um, with a wipeout slider. Um, and he's been able to run his fastball up into the mid to high nineties. So in obviously Kirk Starluce is a great coach. It's his first year at, at TCU. Um, but I, they're a team that's going to be really good and, and we'll probably have them ranked as soon as next week. Yeah, for sure. All right, Pete. So that has concluded episode number two. You have any closing thoughts on this top 25? I, I think it's a great list. I love early in the season. We get a lot of movement. Um, we get a lot of teams surprising people. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 it was another great week. I think a team to watch to move up even into the top 10, depending on how everything shakes out is Liberty. They had a big time win against UNC earlier today. Yep. Um, and then I'll, I gave three players to watch on the just baseball show. So I'll give three more um i'll go i'll i'll do sophomores this time i'll say caden grice at clemson chase davis at arizona um and jordan thompson at lsu and i'll keep it at that watch them and you'll see why i told you yeah for sure so thank you everybody for listening to episode number two of the boys of spring podcast you can find me on twitter at prospects ryan you can find pete on twitter at peter g flaherty you can find the podcast on twitter at boys of spring jb we will see you on Friday for episode number three, a recap of last week and looking ahead to this weekend. See you, everybody.